If you like listening to Inglorious Trexperts, you'll love watching us. Really? Wait, how? I, guess, I guess you will. I guess you will. But how, how can one do that, Mark? Now you can download the free Electric Now app featuring video podcasts of The Inglorious Trexperts, The 430 Movie, Best Movies Never Made, and tons of free TV, movies, and more. You're saying it's so all, all free? All free? I'm saying it's free. 100% no free. Page, 100%. There's no Patreon. There's no premium fees. There's no electronic frontier. Well, there's no All excuse there is, not to get it then. There's no excuse not to. That's what I'm saying. So download the Electric Now app today and start watching us right now. Need to make a call? Look for a police call box. That's where you'll find Two on Who, the new Doctor Who podcast from Electric Surge. Two on Who is available wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by myself, Josh Miller. And Steven Scarlatta. Where we explore some of the greatest movies never made, like E.T. 2. Johnny Quest. Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. And Halloween 3D. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcast. I am Bevan, and my co-host over in the corner here is. I'm Jason. Wow. Hey, hey, I'm Jason. We're ready, and we're ready to rock. How was that? Was that better energy? It was definitely a lot better. Come on. I think he was thrown for the fact that I said I could do a lot in 40 minutes. It was. It caught me off guard, but that's the best part about being in the trenches with Bevan. Yeah, you I know. never know what's happening. You never know what's next. You, you never, never know what I'm gonna say or what I'm gonna it's sing. True. For those of you out there that don't know what this podcast is about, it's about Star Wars. Nothing but Star Wars. And Jason always bops his head like a good little co-host that he is. You've got to. You've got to. You've got to just get into it. But we're actually going to talk about a really hot-button topic today on Star Wars, which is the dreaded question, should the OG trilogy ever get remade? Gut reaction. Gut re- knee jerk gut reaction yeah. no you don't touch it you don't touch something that in a lot of a lot of the public's opinion or you know the film community's opinion is essentially the beginning of of the cinematic universe the blockbuster i mean i know they call steven spielberg the the father of the summer blockbuster with jaws and things like that but you've got star wars empire jedi coming out running through these long uh, spans at cineplexes across the country going through summers and you really had the beginnings of this universe being expanded on on screen mm-hmm. you know something that was original that people hadn't uh, there wasn't pre-existing source material that was out there about it that you could go and say oh there were books about these for 40 or 50 years there wasn't a lot of interpretation to be played with it was all George Lucas's idea you know you're you're just consuming whatever he has mm-hmm. so to go back in and to try to touch that I can hear the argument for in my head sometimes. People will say, oh, but look at, you know, for as well as Empire holds up and Jedi holds up, you know, look at 
new hope in moments. Yeah, you know, when Luke first pops his saber out there when he's in the hut with Obi-Wan, like you've just got this pretty tough comp that happens where the blade looks like it's this weird funky thing of light. It doesn't look cool yet, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm sure at that time people would say, whoa, what is that? And then even some of the miniatures for as amazing as they were and the amazing practical stuff, I could definitely see people saying, well, imagine what you could do now. You know, you could hear that. You can almost hear them echoing that. Mm-hmm. But then you've just got this overbearing, resounding yell going, don't touch this. Don't touch this. This is off limits. So I would say no, don't touch it. Don't touch it. That's the knee jerk gut reaction. All right. So punch me back. What's your knee? What's your gut punch with it? I mean, my gut punch is you're insane if you remake it. Oh, I thought you were going somewhere else with it. Oh, no, no. (laughs) I go a lot of places, but I'm not going to go in this route right now. Okay. Okay. So here's my that's my jerk reaction. Okay. I'm going to kick you in the balls. Don't you dare remake the OG. However, the thing that makes me nervous is that it's owned by Disney. And Disney Oof. likes to piss me off by remaking things that I never thought should have been remade. Perfect example, Beauty and the Beast. Wait a second. I thought there was another film that you're a little heated about. I mean, I'm not going to get there yet, but I'm giving you... <laughs> Because I haven't seen the product. Okay. But I'm talking about, like, they're on this kick right now of remaking things that are 30 and 40 years old. Oh, we're going to do a remake of Cinderella, and it's going to be live action. It's going to have better technology, and it's going to be progressive, and she's going to be a feminist, and she's going to she gonna, she gonna need no mans and all that stuff. Like, they right. did that with Cinderella. They did that with Sleepy. Oh, Maleficent. You know what we're going to do with this character from the 50s? We're going to rebrand her. She's a misunderstood character. She's anti-hero. We're going to put a movie star in it, put some great practical effects. We're going to make her very progressive, all about the environment, save the environment. Man is evil. Rebrand it that way. It made money. Yeah. All of the, While I don't like any of them, it made money because it was an established IP that Disney was like, oh, people are just going to go see this because they remember it and it's nostalgic and Ah, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's just remake. Oh, we re- they remade Aladdin. That made a lot of money. They put Will Smith in it. They put a 90s Fresh Prince of Bel-Air with a genie lamp. And they're like, oh, people are going to pay to go see this. Even without Robin Williams, people paid to go see it. I thought it was terrible. I thought it was lazy. Didn't see it. Real quick, let's just reiterate for the audience out there. So a lot of... Um uh, the Maleficent, I believe, was based off of from the Fantasia cartoon. She makes a quick appearance in that. Like, it's not just about Maleficent in the Fantasia cartoon. Is that correct? Maleficent is from Sleeping Beauty. Oh, correct. Okay, so I'm off on that. Correct. Thank you're, you. You're very much off on uh, that. I was way off on that. So she is the sorceress that's in Sleeping Beauty. She's the one that curses the princess and turns into the scary dragon at the Got end that Prince Philip kills Got thanks it. to the three fairies. And now we're expanding on her backstory with Angelina Jolie playing Maleficent and yes. all that. She's so, not really a bad guy. She's just protecting her people. She's the, misunderstood. She's misunderstood. Yeah. It's really man that's evil. That's the whole shtick with Maleficent. Those evil men. I t- I like those evil men. <laughs> Sorry, I can't help myself, guys. You can't get around it. I but, can't. No, I guess going back to um, just like the remakes you were talking about, we are talking about a re-imaging in a way. So like, you know, with Aladdin, uh, you know, we do have the existing cartoon that started off, but now we're doing the live action version, right? right. Because they're it's t- like, it's taking something that everybody liked and we're just putting a spin on it and we're well, making it. Instead of animation, it's it's live, except for Lion King where it was not live action at all. It was yeah. all just CGI instead of 2D yeah. animation. Well, I think the other thing you get into with 
you know, even reshooting and rebooting, you know, the original trilogy, like four, five, and six, I mean, you immediately start to get into casting. You start to get into, okay, so who's going to play Luke Skywalker? Who's going to take over for Han Solo as Harrison? Uh, I mean, Harrison Ford as Han Solo. Who's going to take over for Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia? So, you know, Darth Vader. Like, you start to get into these questions of, and we've already seen it happening now with like different casting things that are going on. You know, maybe, maybe it's a completely different look. Maybe it's something that people might say, oh, well, you know what? Um, we felt that that wasn't very representative of what culture is now currently. So, you know, society needs to reflect exactly what we see and it needs to be more this or it needs to be more that or whatever it might be. So that's another thing that starts to happen right away. You know, Star Wars starts to change if you reboot that set of films because then it starts to go, well, then do you do one, two, and three as well? Do you do... Like when when does it end with like all of that? Now, now that's an interesting question because I actually would be in favor of them redoing one, two, and three because <laughs> one, two, and three was not very well executed. There's a difference. I, I'm all in favor of like rehashing something that didn't quite work, but it was a good idea on paper, especially if enough time has passed and they're like, and you get a good story writer on board that's like, you know what? I don't think Anakin Skywalker got the trilogy he deserved. Let me go back. Let me get actors that actually can act and have good chemistry. And let's really raise the stakes of this, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of the fact that we're going to get a Darth Vader at the end of episode three. I actually would be very much interested in how they would pitch rehashing one, two, three. But realistically speaking, I don't think Disney's going to remake the OG trilogy right away. I think they're going to wait for certain generations to die. Oh, so you're saying it's coming in your gut? You're th- you're thinking it's on the way? Yeah. It's so coming. what I was trying, so what I was building up to is, I don't want them to remake the trilogy, but I see them remaking the trilogy in maybe seventy years. Seventy years currently, or yeah. from when it came out? Because if you think about it, it kind of came out in '77. Uh, you know, by '83, you had all three films out. You right. know, so if you take '83, 70 years from there, you know, 20, 2053, you're talking about a lot of the folks that saw the original trilogy, they might be on their way out. No offense to anybody that's on their way out. Right. No, but uh, that's but, the point know. I'm making. If, Dis- if, if Disney waits until the original beloved audience of the original trilogy heads out the door, mm-hmm. so to speak, then they see they will see less of a backlash if they remake the original trilogy because you're not going to have the diehard fans that are super attached to Harrison Ford as Han Solo and super attached to Carrie Fisher yeah, as yeah. Princess Leia and Mark Hamill super attached to that only only like there will be a small set of diehard people that follow Star Wars and get obsessed with Star Wars and all of Star Wars and will go back and watch the originals and all that stuff. Then you then you would get less of that kind of resistance pushback of no, don't mm-hmm. touch the trilogy. I mean, we might even have to be out the door because I I don't even think if I'm in my 60s and they're announcing, "Oh, we're going to remake the OG trilogy." I think in my 60s to be like, "Go fuck yourself right mm-hmm. now, guys." Mm-hmm. And I didn't even grow up. I mean, I wasn't even alive when the original trilogy came out in theaters. Mm-hmm. Right? But I do possibly foresee it coming. Yeah, I mean, here's something else to consider, too, just kind of riffing off what you just said. At that point, you know, 2053, Harrison Ford might be, you know, passed away by that point. Mark Hamill. I mean, these actors will be getting up in their age. I mean, they're they're Harrison Ford's 70, 70, 70 some odd now. I mean, you're talking and, you know, it's these actors are getting older now. Right. So these these humans that play these characters, these actors are going to be gone by that point. So now you've got less attachment going on. You've got an early generation of fans that are, you know, slowly passing away as well. 
Um, but who knows what Star Wars will be by that point? Who's to say that within the next decade, who knows, maybe maybe the resurgence of things, maybe after, you know, the rise of Skywalker, perhaps maybe there isn't a, a flame that's, you know, the spark that lights the fires of the resistance. Maybe it doesn't get people excited. Maybe the younger generation doesn't attach themselves to it as much as they saw happen with like the 70s and 80s and 90s. You know, so maybe that is something that's, excuse me, around the corner where they do a, hey, powwow at, you know, top Disney brass saying we got to do something to revitalize this IP that we paid for back in 2012 for four, four and a half billion dollars. Right. Yeah, we've made a ton of money off merchandising and a few of the films and whatnot. But, you know, we've got an opportunity here to really catapult Star Wars back into, you know, the, the mainstream because I don't know what's going to happen moving forward. But man, it's just so it's so crazy to think that those films could be remade. It's so It's not that I definitely don't think it should be remade, but I I feel like there there might come a point where Disney is like, you know what would be fresh and new if we did a fresh and new take on the OG trilogy because there is a lot of filmmakers out there that will even you know, comment on the technology aspect of the original mm. trilogy, right? And the and the and the uh mm, mistakes and the plot holes and the I don't understand the empire is they can't shoot properly stormtroopers can't shoot properly I mean if anybody has ever watched how it should have ended with any of the OG trilogy they're like yeah there's a lot of things that could just be corrected uh, but for nostalgic purposes and the fact that it was so revolutionary we're not going to do that but mm-hmm. I could see somebody down the line being like what if I took all the gripes and problems people have about the OG and the prequel trilogy and I just fix him. Yeah. I'll throw this back at you. So let's say it's 2050. Okay. Three years before our 70 years are up, right? And let's say you're a young filmmaker that's coming in there and you've got a fresh take on Star Wars and you get the job. You've now got the job to reboot A New Hope. Mm -hmm. Here's a question. Do you think that they would use a similar template? Do you think that they would try to go step by step of like, oh, well, we've got a farm boy or a farm girl or at that point, who knows if there's whatever it might be, Uh you know, wanting a better life. And then there's just like this empire and then there's a rebellion that's battling against them. Do you use the same template? You know, do you go into it as, well, it's got to follow the same steps because at least the, the, you know, pretty much the story's laid out for you. Do, you. do you shoot it shot for shot? Do you just update it with the visual? Like, what do you do aesthetically? I, I don't know. I feel like we have an episode about the things that we would change. Oh, we do. We do. Stars. We I do. feel like I'm, I've already answered this question, but I guess to maybe expand upon that a little bit, what I, I think I would, as a filmmaker, I would probably think that there is some sort of nostalgia still attached to it so I would try and just enhance the places that people love mm. and then I would expand upon the character de- development that was not because the, the thing about Star Wars the first one is that George didn't know if he was going to get a two or three so at the time a lot of people's you know I think um who was it Michael Nathanson was in here and he talked about how his daughter was very confused about why Darth Vader was being so mean to Princess Leia because that was her dad right so I would maybe play with that aspect of a little more about like you being aware from the beginning when you go into a new hope that Darth Vader is the father of Luke and Leia and how do you play with the force that way of him because if he can send something in Luke but he didn't send something in Leia and they're both equally powerful and they're twins mm-hmm. Maybe you start incorporating a little bit more of him sens- sensing something is up with her. Yeah. And expand upon 
the twin power and their threat, their collective threat of being twins and being the offspring of Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a, it's an interesting angle. And what's what's just crazy to even kind of try to like wrap my brain around with this is that we know the story. Yeah. You know, we know the story in and out, back and forth, up, down, left, right. Uh, you know, and going off of like what Michael was talking about, you know, the reason his daughters, as adorably as they did, is because there's those cute books that they were reading, you know, Vader right. and me and things like that. So now the cat is out of the bag, right? You right. know, Vader is Leia's father. But, you right. know, in the books, it's very cute the way it's presented. And, mm-hmm. you know, so Vader doesn't have the same gravitas to these young girls that are watching this. To right. them, they're just like, oh, that's that's Darth Vader. You know, I, I had a relationship once where... Um, this girl I was dating, her little nephew loved Darth Vader and Yoda. And I was like, man, this is such an interesting mix of characters to like, you know, right. because you've got this pinnacle of just like, you know, uh, one of the best bad guys of all time and this really interesting, cool Jedi master that, you know, with the puppet technology and like just kind of flipping things on their head with like somebody who's really powerful and strong, but yet he's like two feet tall, you know, they just loved these characters. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking when I was young, I looked at them as such opposites. You know, mm-hmm. Vader was Vader. Yoda was Yoda. I never played with them together. They were like, if they were playing, they were battling. Right. You know, they were battling together. But at this point, this is probably 2000, 2005 or six. So, no, no, it's about 2007. So by this point, you know, Star Wars had really started to seep into a lot of stuff. They'd started expanding, you know, like children's Uh books and other stuff. So they started to take the mythos, if you will, of who these characters were. And they started to become very children specific. You know, it was, oh, well, Yoda's the cute little thing with the real funky ears. And Vader is just a disgruntled, grumpy old man with a red lightsaber. You know, it just completely changed the culture of what Star Wars was. So it's so interesting to think about if they did remake this, reboot this, however you want to, you know, throw that in front, you know, where, where's like, what would be the excitement of like, you already know Vader is Luke and Leia's father. You know, you already know this stuff, like the big reveals wouldn't just be like, oh, Hans and Carbonite. Like, do you not do the Han and Carbonite thing in episode five? You know, do you not have Ewoks in episode six? Like you're going into all these questions of what do you, what do you do to make it fresh? I will tell you this though. I will tell you this. There was something that caught a lot of attention online and it's called, I, I believe it's called Scene 38. Okay, okay. Did you ever see this? Nope. It is badass. Okay. So this VFX house went in and reimagined the fight between Obi-Wan and Vader at the end of A New Hope, their lightsaber, their lightsaber clash. Did you ever oh, see this? Oh, wait. I might have seen this. Keep going. So this VFX house went in and did a whole sequence. I mean, it's, it's about four and a half minutes long. And what's so powerful behind it is they start bringing in moments from Revenge of the Sith in episode three, and they bring in dialogue VO moments of like Ewan McGregor yelling over to, you know, Hayden Christensen. He was like, you were my brother, Anakin. I loved you. And like, you have these really strong moments that happened in the trilogy playing out while these two powerhouses are battling and the lightsaber choreography in it is pretty fucking awesome i mean vader is raw and vicious and he's you like the end of rogue one you, you've mentioned you kind of like that i end do of rogue i do one. it was great it was hot imagine the end of rogue one amplified right you know the way that he was he's just barreling into obi-wan and obi-wan's holding his own you know obi-wan's holding his own and a lot of defensive things are happening and he's pushing vader back but you can just see that vader is just using everything he's got to just beat this person to the ground. And it's really, really interesting. That would be something that I would definitely be like, 
you know what, can I just watch that updated lightsaber scene real quick? It was cool to see it. I don't need it, but it was very cool to see it. Yeah, I mean, like, the the benefit, the one major benefit you could have of remaking the OG trilogy is to, A, fill out the plot holes that people have co- griped and complained about, like, making maybe making the Empire really scary to where it's actually plausible that they could take over the galaxy. Mm. Like you could you could you could go outer rim style and make it a little bit more mature. Like you could you could really terrify people with like Vader could do more horrifying things to where it's even more of a disappointment or even more of a shock or even more of a character arc journey for Luke and Leia when they realize their goddamn father is one of the most vicious people in the galaxy where back then I mean you saw him threatened to choke somebody and yeah he looked you know intimidating on screen but you never really saw him do besides episode three where he slaughters children like you never really got to you know how in the dark night how every time Heath Ledger when he came on screen you got really nervous because you didn't know who he was going to kill if he was going to kill who he was going to kill what he was going to do you could add elements of that aspect to Darth Vader to where when he is on screen, you could actually generally be nervous and terrified that he might do something completely awful. Yeah, I like that idea. I think that's cool um, because then you you raise the stakes of anybody ever dealing with this this thing, this monster, this boogeyman, right. this machine that is around there. And you know, what's interesting about Vader in Episode Four is that it. it and you already mentioned this, this was not really built, you know, Lucas has come out and said, he's like, oh, well, there's going to be 12 films. I mean, there's going to be nine. I mean, but well, you know, nine. Yeah. Yeah. No, he was well, making it up as he was going. I mean, a yeah. lot of it was, yeah, you're right. It's like, oh, well, this kind of works, but uh, we can just kind of keep jamming. Right. Uh, yeah. This is working. And then when it exploded, like it did, it was right. like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I got a lot of more, I got a lot more stuff, got a lot more stuff. Whether that's true, whether that's not true, that's not for us to decide. The stuff is cool, cool as hell. But in episode four, Vader is kind of like he almost seems like he's kind of third or fourth on the chain. You know what I yes. mean? He's he's kind of being bossed around a little bit when they're in that room with all the moths. Yeah. Uh, I think they're called moths, uh, I believe, or like, uh, you know, the, the executive, arc- yeah, yeah, the executive the officers. board of uh, Empire fellows with Grand Moff up there. And like when the guy even turns, the, the simple fact that that one uh, lieutenant officer, whoever he was, when he turned to Vader and even made that snide remark about like you know nobody believes in your 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 archaic religion or however the line goes, and then Vader just goes in and kind of gives him a choke. If Vader commanded the kind of presence what you're talking about, similar to like Joker, these guys probably wouldn't even want to make eye contact with this thing. Right. You know he would be more like, but you don't want him to be like the mountain. You know what I mean? Like the mountain around Cersei in a way where like if if Moff is Cersei and like Vader is the mountain, like you don't want him to just kind of be like background. You know, you want him to be more engaging than that. You know? Yeah, no, and I definitely wouldn't be talking about that because the way the prequel set up Vader is he was going to be second in command of ruling this entire empire, this new this new chain of command. So if that's the case, then he would have had a lot more say yeah. than anybody in that room. If you think about it. So, I mean, that's the one I would say that's the one benefit is you could go and really just iron out these concrete details that were very shaky at the beginning of the trilogy. Like you would never probably tease because, again, going back to another uh, podcast episode we did at one time, we're talking about at one point George thought that Leia and Luke were going to be a couple. That's the hero. That's the girl. They're going to be the couple. And then later on, it's like, oh, no, no, it's actually Han and Leia. But if you know right out of the gate that these are twins, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, then you could have more fun exploring 
that aspect of them feeling connected to one another. Maybe, and Carrie Fisher's always complained about this, uh, she never really had much time with the Force, and we all complain about it too. Like, if she's supposed to be as powerful as, as Luke, that was never fully explored. Yeah. No, so I you mean, could go into that. It, it really is a... I won't say a wasted opportunity because, um, you know, we got what we got. Uh, but it would have been cool to see her really just kind of, and hearkening back to another episode we talked about, uh, if something might have happened to Miss Fisher's character in episode five, maybe she would have taken up the mantle of wanting to become a Jedi even sooner. Right. You don't know. But that that is interesting to talk about. You know, like what if... What if she becomes a Jedi and it takes her and her brother Luke to take down Vader and the Emperor? You know, it takes two Jedi to take down two Sith kind of thing. Yeah. You know, it could have been it could have been fun. But here's something to throw into like the mix of convo. Do you do you bring like do you again, do you stay off off brand? Like, do you just go, okay, cool, we'll have another Han Solo or do you just maybe change it up? And maybe you do keep Luke and Leia as the love interest and you just cast differently and you write differently. Now then, then you're just going to write a whole new Star Wars story, and you should just write a new Star Wars story at that point. Well, I agree with that, anyways. Don't even touch these movies. But I'm just saying, for the no. sake of for the sake of combo. Like, yeah, no, do you I do think it? I think if you remake it, I think you expand, not mm. eliminate. I don't think you. I don't okay. think you. I think you. I think that works the best. Uh, another great example I'll, I'll give you is when Beauty and the Beast got made from an animated film to a Broadway show. One of the reasons why it did so well in the transition from animated to Broadway is that they they kept all the core pieces of the plot in the show. They just expanded on the time with the Beast hmm. and Belle to more to help justify why she fell in love with him and why he is somebody of redemption. Where we're in an animated film where it's just an hour, I think it's just under an hour, just at an hour. You don't have that kind of time to develop the character's relationships together. You also have more time in the Broadway show developing the character of Gaston and his ambitions and his wants and needs, but they never changed the beats of each of the show, which is why it got praised for doing so well. They expanded, not changed or eliminate. How long is the show, the Beauty and the Beast show? Oh, it's like it's every Broadway standard show. It's like two hours and 45 minutes. Okay, so two forty-five, and like, what's the runtime on Beauty and the Beast? I think the it's film? like I think it's like hour and forty-five, something like no, that. No, it's definitely less than that. Oh, it's short. They animated Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, yeah, the film. The, Just because, like, when you give me a two forty-five runtime on something, and we're talking—is that adding intermission or no? That is adding an intermission, a twenty-five-minute intermission. Okay, so it's two twenty-five then for the show. Yeah, so it'd be like two twenty-five. Two and a half hours. Yeah, you know, you could really expand. I mean, if you're talking about a two and a half hour movie. Um, as opposed to however long the runtime is on Beauty and the Beast, if you're saying it's around 90 minutes, then you're losing almost another, at least, at least another half hour of, you know, character time that you could be spending with Belle or spending with the Beast or spending even with like the, you know, the uh, the magical, um, uh, oh God, I'm, I'm drawing up, the, the magical. So like, it's, so it's an hour and 32 minutes. Beauty okay, and the Beast. Yeah, that's a tight run. I mean, 92 minutes, it's a tight run for a film. Um but yeah, I mean, you've got more time, more time to explore. You got more time to go in there. So I can see where in the show, if it's two twenty-five with the twenty-five minute intermission or right. twenty minute, um, you've just got more time with characters. I mean, it's it's the thing we always talk about too: episodic versus long long form storytelling. Right, you know, and another form, aspect of Beauty and the Beast that worked out really well too is they put stakes on the objects. In in the musical, it beca- in the in the stage version of the musical, 
the the objects we're talking about, if the curse does not succeed, they're going to, in a sense, die. They're going to turn into just things, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they're not going to get their life back. They're not even going to walk around as objects. They're just going to cease to exist. So there's even more stakes at heart now. But again, they never, they never like detracted from the original 132. They just kind of like added some fat to it so people could get more flavor if you will, mm. out of the experience. And I think if you did something like that to the OG, granted, way down the line where people are not so attached to Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, or Mark Hamill, and you take a good storyteller that really respects the old mm-hmm. uh, and wants to just expand on it and make it new, I think then it would work. And only then would it work. It is so, it's just wild to be even like considering this and talking about this the way that we are because it does in a way, I mean, I believe, no, don't touch it, don't do it. You know, I mean, if anything, just make new Star Wars stuff. Just yeah. make new films, make new characters, go off on new adventures. I mean, it's not like, it's not like they're not in a galaxy that they can, you can't just far, far go away. wherever you want with it. Uh, like if you need to go with something that familiar, that recognizable, that you just can't create something new. No, I agree. Part of me just goes, geez, guys. I mean, geez, you can't create another family to follow, another group of characters, another conflict, like something. But then the flip side of that coin is, well, geez, guys, we never fully fleshed out these people. We never really gave Vader his due because, again, the prequels were not well received. We never really gave Leia her due because that was not well fleshed out. And she unfortunately, I think in this current trilogy, trilogy, they were only trying to hash this out a little bit later for her. But then Carrie Fisher unfortunately passed away, so they couldn't. Like, I heard that she was actually supposed to be the last Jedi. Oh, don't my, die my, on my me. Ch- that, that just hit me. That just <laughs> hit me. That moment. Um, <laughs> he just lost balance and flipped over in the chair. Hopefully, hopefully we recorded that. That was amazing. Um <laughs> It hit me. I, I, it hit me in the chest. You know, and uh, if you so have she the, was supposed to be the last Jedi. She was supposed to be the last Jedi. So she was trained at that point. Like she was, she has she the was training. To, I think it was supposed to be a bigger. This last movie was supposed to be a big moment for Carrie Fisher to come out and actually have become a Jedi. That would have been awesome. I right, and we're really not going to get that really now. Like that, that would have been really cool. But oh, again, so 50, 50 years down the line, if you if you have a good storyteller that wants to try and not fix because I hate saying the word fix because I do actually love the OG trilogy but if you want to sit there and maybe give more battle techniques to the Ewoks that would justify how the Ewoks took down a bunch of stormtroopers and if you want to maybe expand upon how scary the Empire is and if you maybe want to flesh out Vader and his relationship with his two kids not just Luke but his two kids Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if you want to maybe flesh out the fact that his two kids are twins and oh my god this is a big deal we're twins and oh my god that means you have the force you have that power too and she can explore that power as well um I, I think there is an argument to be made of, oh, maybe we should. And again, who has to say that it has to be live action? What if it's a great animated remade remake where you get people that sound like the original guys? Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. get And technology is advancing oh, so much. Oh, you see much. some of these deepfake videos? Have you seen some yeah. of these? Have you seen the one of George Lucas giving the interview? You've got to see this. Really? Because it is very snarky. It is very, oh, but it is gold 
It's amazing. I mean, you look at you look it at just amazing. the stop motion capture that people do, mm-hmm. uh, especially down in what a digital, where it's just getting better and better and better. Mm-hmm. And who's to say you don't get somebody that just goes through the motions, but you put if you want to still be iconic, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, and Mark Hamill's face in there, and Darth Vader in there, and you just hire people that can imitate them very well, yeah. and you just flush it out. And it's more like a Final Fantasy slash Jedi Fallen Order kind of ordeal where they just rehash. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll look at. Um, oh, sorry. Look at what I'm they've hitting been, the table. Uh oh, bangs, bangs of sound. Um, look at what they've been able to do with the deep fake stuff. Look at what you're able to do with like the amount of audio that they've got just recorded over time. You know, you could probably recreate a lot of what you wanted to, not in house per se, but you'd have to shoot certain things and maybe do something similar with the tech that they use for bringing back uh, Peter Cushing's character in uh, Rogue One and right. stuff, where you just and bring Carrie in Fisher. and Carrie Fisher uh, as a younger Leia at the end of it there. And you could, you could do something. I mean, there was even, did you see the, the, uh, the fan comparison of Sebastian Stan to Mark Hamill, some of those uh, fan, oh, yeah. fan line. I mean, he looks a lot like if you wanted to do something now, like a quick little spinoff film with like Luke going and doing his thing. And Sebast- that kid that looks like Harrison Ford. Oh, from- you saw that video? Yeah, I did. He- What'd you think of that? He, he, he's really close. <laughs> he's-, he's so close. It's uncanny. Yeah. I mean, if you if you're smart, if you are a smart filmmaker and business person like that, it's like if we're even going to dare, dare. I would do one of two things. I would get somebody that looks very, 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 very similar to the original actors. Mm. Or I would do it animated or CGI or whatever where you have the technology to really just make it and make it look good and make it feel like it's the original trilogy and the original actors. But you, again, expand on the fat of it, fix the problems that people have, like the Stormtroopers' ability to shoot, the Ewoks being easily able to take down... Um, you know, the stormtroopers as well. The people complained that Carrie Fisher never had uh, time to explore her Jedi powers. The twins never having a time to really explore that. Mm. Vader never really having a time to explore that with his son and and daughter. Mm -hmm. I feel like if you get a really good writer on board that loves, loves, loves the originals and you do it that way, you might even be able to remake it in 30 years. Oh, man, 30 from now, 2050. I mean, I think a lot of folks might still be around that can remember the OGs at that point. You know, oh, yeah, even no, if they were young, young teens. But I'm saying even from like the OG, yeah. like let's say you were like eight or nine when they came out, like in 77. Like you'd just be in like your upper 70s at that point, you know, when this new reboot right. was coming out of A New Hope. Yeah, it, it, it's so strange to even try to wrap your head around it because there is so much attached to it from the nostalgia, the time period, what it did for cinema, how many things have been spawned from it. To think even going back in, like going off your pitch for like something animated, I can see maybe a little bit less backlash for the animated because, again, it's them, but it's not them. You know right. what I mean? It's the, it's, it's the characters you love, but it's not really them. You know, like people seem to be a little bit more forgiving with certain mediums like, oh, well, it's just a cartoon, you know, obviously depending on the, the or material. It's a, or it's just a comic book. Yeah, yeah, something. And what would be interesting to really see is I wonder if anybody's ever taken a crack at it. I wonder if anybody's ever tried because have you ever heard about when people do like their own spec scripts on things and right. they go out and they write something? Whether some people write like their own one-offs of stuff, they're like, "Hey, I've loved this oh, IP yeah. for so much uh, and so long that I went off and I wrote my own thing." And these are even you know these are professionally working you know television, film, uh, novelists, etc. That have like you know, hey, I've got this spec script that I wrote for you know. 
Dark Crystal. You know, I got this spec script that I wrote for Star Wars, you know, and you're like, wow, really? Like, yeah, man, I'm a fan. You know, I love to write, you know, whatever. So it would be cool to see if somebody ever gave it a shot. And it actually had legs. You know, right. it wasn't just like, yeah, dude, but in this one, you know, Luke is really like 45, but, you know, he's got a son now. And you're like, well, yeah, that's kind of not, that's kind of like what happens after nah. this trilogy. Yeah, this doesn't yeah. really work. Um, but to think about just remaking it, just there's something that bites at me the minute that I hear remake or reboot of the original trilogy. Right, it because that's bites. the current climate we're in right now. None of because also because none of the remakes, in my opinion, that Disney has done, has been better than their predecessors. Than the originals. Yeah. I didn't see Aladdin. Did you like Aladdin? No. Wow, that's quick. There, there, there was no pausing on that. No. It was just. Nope. I'll say it again. No. It was. It was I have not I liked you. any of the remakes that they have done. Do you like Lion King? No. Really? No. Mm. The tech. Listen. The technology. This is where I go back to technology. The technology mm. is great. The animation is great. But nearly every critic said something about the Lion King. It lost its magic. It's lost. It lost its storytelling aspect to it. It looked pretty. But there was no Very weight, beautiful. and they added nothing new, and it was just like the complaint that most people had about. The, there was two different complaints uh, between the Beauty and the Beast live action remake and the uh, Lion King remake. Okay. Beauty and the Beast expanded and tried to fix timeline problems that the animated cartoon had, which is I don't understand how old this prince is. I don't like if he was cursed for, for 10 years, that means he would be 12. Did a witch really curse a 12 year old? You can't really blame him for that. And then there's like the argument about like the seasons changing very drastically. Well, how long was Belle in the castle for? How long was Maurice out in the woods? Like the, the live action remake at least attempted to kind of fix these complaints mm. that people had. Oh, was the Stockholm syndrome? Uh, they just fixed all of these elements to they they fixed quotation marks for people that are listening. They fixed these <laughs> criticisms that the animated being the beast had, but the problem is there was still no heart and there was no spunkiness to it and there was nothing besides the sets looking pretty and these little minor plot points, it just didn't have the same awe and magic to it. Lion King, the complaint that a lot of people had was well, besides the fact that there's no heart because these animated uh, animals look so realistic, they can't really emote emotion, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. they didn't really do anything new with it. It's the same animated film. It's just shot for shot remake. And it's like, well, then what's the point besides just showing us how real you could make something look? So it was like two different types of argument and complaints. One had no heart and the other one was just lazy a lazy remake with just more higher technology and stuff like that. Yeah, the current climate with everything of the reboots and the and the, and the rebranding and like oh we're just going to show it in a different light. It does it does make you feel a little like oh really? I mean, you just you're just pulling something out and dusting it off and you know, hey everything yeah. that was old is now new again. And I do understand touching on things that maybe people enjoyed, you know, mm -hmm. that obviously built an audience. And, you know, with entertainment, a lot of it is calculated risk. A lot of it is just like trying to strike while the iron's hot. A lot of it is like crossing your fingers and going, we think this story is going to be fantastic. You know, right. maybe you write it for the right social climate. Maybe you write it for the right, the right theme. Maybe there's something that just resonates with the public at that time. Sometimes there's just, I'll use the word magic that happens with certain films where nobody knew that it was going to be this impactful. Right. And it just hits. And when it hits... 
people think to themselves, wow, you know, what was going on at that time that just made it great? And then you just go, I don't know, man, but it was just great. You know, maybe it resonated well with like, you know, the families at the time, or maybe it resonated well with like, you know, people between the ages of 20 to 45, you know, well, something. Keep in mind also, too, when the original Star Wars came out, like there were still people alive from World War II that mm-hmm. were going to this. And they it, it was just hitting a nerve, especially because a lot of the design was based on the Nazis, the Empire and what the Empire yeah, wanted to yeah. do. So it was very relevant for the time as well, especially like there was a sense of wanting to escape with the space adventure. I mean, it's very interesting to look into, like, why did it come out in that year? Why did it resonate with people, et cetera, et cetera? So I think while I agree and I would be perfectly happy to never see the OGB remade, I I do foresee that it will eventually happen. And Mm. if it does happen, my hope is that it will be done in a way that I uh, that I pitched. Either you get actors that are reminiscent of it, and you just add fat to the to the plot holes that people complain about, mm-hmm. um, and hope that there is a lot of heart and a lot of um, great storytelling aspect that comes out of it. Or you take the technology of CGI and stop motion capture, and you and you do it in that animated kind of format and make everything look as realistic as possible and then you add some visual aspects of it that's very inspiring to go see on a big screen because that's going to be harder to sell as we get more and more of these on-screen platforms. So it's like if you're going to drag people to the movie theater, drag them for a very specific reason, that you're going to show them something amazing that should be seen on a big screen. But still, keep, keep the major bullet points, just add the fat, and try and tap into nostalgia as much as possible while mm, fixing, mm. while checking off very carefully and artistically well from a storytelling aspect, the plot holes and the character developments that people have complained about. Yeah, uh, there's something else that I would just add real quick to that is if VR technology does catch on the way that some people are hoping it will, they, mm-hmm. they still don't know yet. Like VR is this, this strange thing that really hasn't found its stride yet. Like, is it home entertainment? Is it about interaction? Is it video gaming? Like, what is it at this point? We really don't know. It's like, right. how how can we use it as a narrative storytelling tool? Because mm-hmm. at, this, at this juncture, nobody really knows if it will transform the viewing experience or if it's going to be gimmicky, kind of like 3D, nobody really knows. But what I could see being very cool is if you have some kind of a system that recreates the film in a 3D space, let's say you've got A New Hope, and maybe you're fighting alongside Luke, Leia, and Han, and you're in the, the a fellow X-Wing racing down the Death Star trenches, and you're, you know, like you're actually being transported into the film in some way, shape, or form. So in a way... Yeah, maybe you're kind of rebooting it a little bit. You're remaking it, but now you're remaking it for a fan experience. I don't know. I could mean, be, could be pretty intense. That could already be a ride coming soon to you at Galaxy's Edge. Going Disney, to... hit me up. I got some ideas. I got you. <laughs> and on that note, I think I think in a way uh, we've made our cases, and at the end of the day, it's all hypothesized. But don't touch R O G O T. Yeah. The well. OGOT, original gangster, original trilogy. <laughs> the original Coolio game. That's right. Don't touch him, please. Don't touch him. Uh, but until next time, I'm Bevan. And I'm Jason. See you later on The Rebel and the Rogue. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for The Rebel and the Rogue, a Star Wars podcast. And if you're a fan of this podcast, you may want to check out Electric Surge's other podcasts like The 430 Movie, every Friday in which a group of writers and producers curate fantasy-themed weeks of classic movies, and Disco Nights, the ultimate Star Trek Discovery podcast available Sundays, and glorious 
Trexperts, the only podcast for Star Trek fans with a life, and Best Movies Never Made, Monday nights featuring filmmakers talking about their favorite unmade projects. Mm-hmm. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, and you can follow us at TK on Twitter or TK on Instagram. Also, a very special thanks to Bill Ritter and everyone here at Electric Surge Network, including producers Natalie Michelli and Synthony Hodge, and executive producers Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman. So until next Thursday, may the Force be with you. And also with you. Always. Or at least for the next week. This is a production of the Electric Surge Network.